Jeez. Where's my doc? And welcome to the WAN Show, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a fantastic show planned for you guys today. Everything yes. from, uh, let's see, actually, ooh, hold on a second. What do we have today? All right, we've got a, oh, a large Danish retailer coming out with the straight goodies. Get it? It's oh, goodies because yeah. it's Danish. It's a Danish. That's a type oh, of donut my. here. Yeah. You know what? It Very doesn't nice. matter. The point is they've got some statistics showing the depth of the RTX 3000 series supply issues. And uh, I believe the word for this is oof, as the kids oof. say. Yeah. Or yeah. big, big oof. We've got oof. some alleged RX 6800 XT benchmarks. Dun, 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 what else we got, Luke? What's our headline topic? Our headline topic is, I, I think, I don't actually know what the title is, but I think it's talking about some some spicy tweets about the streaming industry um, and where the how the money should be flowing in that industry. But also, Intel <laughs> sold their NAND storage unit. Yeah. This is crazy. And I didn't actually see like a ton of people really reacting to this, but that's actually nuts. Yeah, I think that part of it might be because this was like a a long time in the making. There was a whole, well, we can talk a little right. bit more about yeah. it later, but uh, Intel has been sort of tepid on the whole NAND flash thing for quite some time. Just like I'm tepid on continuing this video without first rolling the intro. Wow, smooth. 10 out of 10. Thanks. That moment when WAN show starts so late that uh, that other show we do, what's it called? Heckling? Probably like already live. I, bet, okay. I, I see comments about that on the Flipper channel. I feel like, oh, Techlink just went live. Give me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Techlink is, Techlink is not live for the day. So there you go. All right. All right. Why don't we jump right into our big topic for the day? Do you want to walk yeah. us through this? People keep giving me a hard time about doing all the talking on WAN show. I have gotten so many comments and so many tweets about this over especially the last probably month or so. But the problem is every time I'm like, hey, Luke, do you want to walk us through this one? He just like doesn't say anything because he's nope. like busy running float plane over there or something. <laughs> or he says like two things and then just like waits for me to weigh in. So I'm going to say nothing. <coughs> You're going to give us your whole take on this. I'm nice. going to zip my lips and stop okay. talking in a moment. Right. I just, I've got, I will get this momentum going and it takes me a while to stop. So I'm done still, talking. Still rolling. Now. <laughs> I will. So before I get into it, I will, I will say that it has been, it has become much harder to do the co-hosty role um, since we became remote. Cause it's a lot harder to read body language and do all that other kind of stuff to make sure that I'm like inserting at the right time. There's also a certain amount of discord lag. So it makes it a little bit more difficult of like knowing when I should start and when I should stop talking. So that's a big part of it. It's not all on Linus for sure, but um, you can't see this on screen, but Alex, Alex Hutchinson or at bang, bang click on Twitter went for some, some spicy takes recently. That was very, very noticed online. Um, his original very tweet, noticed, very noticed, very yeah. noticed it got, 2020. It got a lot of, 
when your tweet gets 5.1 thousand comments, but only 7.9 thousand likes, you did something. Um, and it might not be something good. And when the follow-up tweet to that gets 18,000 comments and still only 5.1 thousand likes, you know you didn't do something great. Uh, his take starts with streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they've used music, which context for this, there was a lot of DMCA takedown emails that came from Twitch about people's back catalog, music being used in that back catalog that went out very recently. This is something we we knew was coming. We've talked about this on the WAN show in the past, but the action really happened very recently. So again, he says streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. And he follows that up with the real truth is streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. This is interesting. And I people aren't going to like this, but I don't completely disagree with him in all scenarios. I think it should be up to the publisher. And I think basically any publisher that tried to enforce it that way would be an idiot. Um, and we have experienced this in the past. We saw it with Nintendo. Nintendo. Um, what did you say? Sorry. Sorry, I had sorry, I had something really stupid caught in my throat there. <laughs> Nintendo. 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 Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I think we I saw got this it. with Nintendo in the past, and it was stupid, and everyone hated it, and the 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 viewers hated it, and the streamers hated it, and it was bad for Nintendo in a lot toxic. of ways. To totally and, toxic. And they've they they've eased up on it. In, in more recent years, and it has been significantly better for the viewers and the streamers and Nintendo. Like it is just holistically better for everyone. There are some scenarios where I question how real that would necessarily be. Games that are extremely narrative focused, yeah. basically walking simulator games, pretty much the whole experience can be had by watching it. And in those scenarios, those developers might not want people to stream it. And I think they should have the right to be like, yeah, I don't want you to stream my game. Um, that being said, having the right and should do are different. And his verbiage here is talking about uh, like something that will happen as if it's inevitable. And he says specifically, they should be buying a license. I do not believe that game streamers should be buying a license. And I think 2020 of any year, is a great example for why that shouldn't be a thing. Games that are popping off are Fall Guys, Among Us. Those games would not have popped off if it wasn't for streamers. And perfect hardline evidence for that is Among Us. Among Us didn't launch and immediately become popular with no, streamers. like two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Among yeah. Us was out for a long time and was irrelevant. Yeah. It was a cool little game, but it had like, I think peaks of like 200 concurrent players. And now it has peaks of like, oh my God, everyone, including like American politicians and the biggest YouTubers and also the biggest Twitch stars. It, it That game was made by streamers. Like the success of that game, sorry, was made by streamers. Uh, so the, the take is, is, is bad, but it becomes a lot more interesting when you look into who, who Alex Hutchinson is. <laughs> and when you look into the way he is operating and using things. Okay. Uh, we'll get Can into I... what he does in a moment. I want to I do one thing. I want to debate you with in. you. Okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. I, I can shut up. I, this is a skill I have. I can okay. remain silent. My favorite thing, which was pointed out by Jack Septicai. I didn't recognize this at first. 
the cover photo or whatever you want to call it, the banner photo that he has on Twitter for Savage Planet. That is some game that he worked on. Um, except the cover photo is of Jacksepticeye. It's a fan art. It's not his. Alex doesn't own that. Um, the person in the photo is supposed to be Jacksepticeye in the game. And what is cut off, what is cropped off, and no, it doesn't just not show up because Twitter squished it. If you click on the photo, it is still not there, but you can see three little lines that come up from it is the signature of the person who drew the fan art. There is no attribution and no credit given to the person who drew the fan art. So does his opinion only go as far as music and games and does not reach into the realm of, of, uh, of, of art in the form of something drawn? I'm not sure. But he is also uh, creative director at SG&E Montreal Studio. It used to say in his Twitter bio, it used to say something different. It used to say creative director at Google Stadia and has been updated since this all happened. I'm not necessarily sure why, um, but yeah, it was updated. Sorry, all you right. can go. So I'm going to jump in and agree with you. Um, <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to debate me. No, I can't because the problem is that the way copyright law works and the way that it should work is that you own the rights to how your content is used. So a perfect example of that is that if someone were to um, make a make a video, let's say they they download you know our review of the RTX 3080 and they play it back and they're like, oh wow, this is some really good B-roll footage and like you know what, my 3080 is sitting in my rig over there. I don't feel like pulling it out and getting a camera. I'm going I'm to I'm use this to supplement my content. Now, depending on how they do that, how they utilize the footage, do they leave in my commentary? Do they credit it? Do Is their work transformative enough? Does it affect... What are, what are the four pillars of fair use again? There's transformation, uh, fair use. Uh, here we go. So the purpose and character of your use, what's it for? So if it's for, you know, educating the public about the dangers of this Linus Tech Tips character, then that would be something that would be considered, you know, Im important for public interest and therefore more likely sure. to, be, to, be, to fall under fair use. Um, the nature of the copyrighted work. So that's where you get into the style of the game. You could even make the argument that certain styles of game are inherently covered by fair use to play them. I would make I, the I, argument that, yeah, go ahead. Can, I, so I was thinking about this and I, and I yeah. strongly agree. And I, I think a lot of multiplayer competitive games, especially things like shooters, yep. would totally fall under that. And Among Us and Fall Guys are examples of content Probably, where yeah. the participants, Among Us, I think is just such a prime example. The participants are the content. Yes. All this is, is like a setting. It's, it's kind of it's like, medium. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like making the argument that, you know, because you exist in this building, whoever the builder of it is or architect of it is, you know, owns the, the work that you do in it, the, like the, the film that you make in it. It's like, no, no, actually the content is the interaction between these people on the spaceship that are trying to fix it or, or not. Um, 
The third pillar is the amount and uh, substantiality of the portion taken. So if you take just a little bit versus like, like you might do in a review. So David from our team did a review of Last of Us 2 where, yeah, he shows yeah. a lot of gameplay footage, but it's not just the amount, it's the substantiality of it. So is it a lot of gameplay footage of wandering around or did he just make a mashup of every story cutscene and then upload it so that you don't have to buy the game? That's where you get into that one. And then that ties in really nicely with pillar number four, which is the effect of the use upon the potential market for the original art. So once again, depending on the big. type of game, yeah, Among Us is a key example of something where honestly streaming it can do pretty much nothing but get people amped on this game and wanting to play it and the only way to play it legitimately is to buy it it would With be very 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 difficult to make an argument that streaming among us reduces sales there is yes. games where it would be very very easy to make an argument that streaming that game does reduce sales 100 it's not that common i'd say but it is definitely a thing and there are there are games where if i was a publisher for a lot of those games, honestly, I would still want them streamed. It's tough though. It's really tough. But it is tough. If and I, I can totally understand someone not having that opinion. If I was a developer for a really, really rich story-driven single-player experience game where I went out of my way to not embed it with a bunch of microtransactions and crap and I released this game for a fair price, you know, let's say $29.99 for this game. I'm a pretty small development studio. Okay. Yeah. And a whole bunch of streamers get out there, you know, the day before launch with their pre-release copies, pretty much upload, you know, the game, skipping through the boring parts and into these like four, you know, a four part, uh, you know, four one hour videos uploaded to YouTube, part one, part two, part three, part four. Okay, now I've moved on to my next thing. They're doing nothing in the long term, actually promoting the game. They've just basically uploaded my game to YouTube and the reviews are great, but my sales suck, I would be really choked because that's a type of game that people claim to want. Yeah. People say, hey, yeah. you know, what happened to gaming? Why is everything microtransactions? Why is everything multiplayer only? What happened to what happened to long, deep single player narratives? Well, that's something that could very well be what happened to long single player narratives and also money. But <laughs> But that is a factor and ignoring that factor, I think is not looking at the bigger picture in a fair manner. Yeah, and I, I think his take on it was terrible. And I think the entire industry has has told him that time and time again at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully someone who's a creative director at a freaking gaming studio and had at least something to do with Stadia despite it no longer being in his bio. Yeah. I would hope that he would understand that. And it genuinely concerns me for the future of the games that he has any opinion on their development of that he actually thought and or thinks that way. But ultimately, I don't think that is a common opinion in the industry. If you look yeah. at how this is actually being dealt with by actual people, um, a lot of streamers are paid to play games, not yes, the other way not around. Not the other way around. Um, and it's sort and of I, I, like it's laughable, right, to say that, oh, well, you know, you should license the game and then 
you know, the developer should, so you should pay to license the game and then the developer should pay you to play it. Like, yeah, why, like why am I just pulling money out of my right pocket to put in your <laughs> right pocket and you pull it out of your left pocket to put it in my left pocket? Like, why are we, why are we yeah. playing, why are we playing this, this, why are we doing this dance? It doesn't make any You're just sense. just inflating a bunch of like payment processors takes <laughs> yeah, exactly, for no reason, exactly. um, which is like personally <laughs> offensive to me, but that's a different conversation. Um, hundred <laughs> percent. But like, it's, yeah, it's, it's silly. It's, it's so, a bad take. And, and I think one thing that I, that I would suggest to take from this is like if you do watch a streamer and they are playing a very na uh, narrative heavy single player game yeah that doesn't necessarily look like it's it's mechanics or it's action or anything like that are, are really what make it good and what makes it good is the fact that you're you're basically like watching an interactive movie um maybe try to find a way to support those yeah. guys maybe don't buy some bits game. that day Maybe yeah. maybe buy that game that day. That might buy be that a game. good idea. Or, or go buy some merch. Even a lot of games yeah. these days will soundtrack. have like a soundtrack or or a shirt or something like. Yep. Try try to throw something towards those developers because um, I can I can definitely feel sympathy for that. And I love those types of games. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I want other things. It's games, whatever. Um, so yeah. Also, I just realized that he worked on my least favorite Assassin's Creed game ever. Thanks, buddy. How about that? So cool. Tinkmaster in the YouTube chat says, the problem is streamers aren't protected by the EULA. They're actually breaking the terms of service the way game EULAs are written currently. And that is a good point. But the problem sure. is that there's the legality and then there's the morality and then there's the court of public opinion. There's sort of like multiple facets to any kind of decision like this. From a legal point of view, Nintendo was right. That's our sure. Mario sprite. And no, you may not monetize it. Like they weren't wrong, but they were stupid, you know. Um, so yeah. from like a from like a, a moral standpoint, going after people that are honestly not making a ton of money, you know, people like speedrunners or level designers yeah, or like the, yeah, like the kinds of the kinds of and again that comes down to those four pillars, right? Speedrunning a game does not have nearly the effect on the potential market for the product as playing it properly and having someone sit and watch you. You could make that argument. The, and okay, so, and then there's the, there's also the court of public opinion where you can do these things and you might be legally and maybe even morally correct, but people are gonna hate you for it. And at the end of the day, you're a business that relies on the goodwill yeah. of your customers. So maybe you just better not do that. Now, the problem with fair use, I actually, we had a really interesting, fair use conversation in our community this week. What happened was, um, oh man, when was it? I have a stream called Addressing the Drama from about a thousand it's years a ago. a year ago, I think. Addressing the Drama, it was at least a year ago. Streamed a year ago. All right, so a year ago, we had an issue where a smaller YouTuber was issued a copyright notice. To be clear, oh, that yeah. is not the same thing as a copyright strike. So there was no effect on their channel. But what happens is if you're issued a copyright notice, it means that some other entity, whether it's um, like a, a music label or another YouTuber or uh, a movie uh, a movie house, um, some other entity said, hey, your video contains my copyrighted content, so you need to let me monetize that video. But it's okay. You can leave it up and there's no, there's no strikes on your channel. It's not going to get deleted or anything. But that's actually my content and you need to give me the money. So what happened was we issued through our MCN 
a copyright notice to a smaller YouTuber for some gameplay, or actually it was benchmark footage that was included in their video. Now, we dug into what happened. It was not something we did maliciously, and it was not something that we did manually or on purpose at all. And what happened was our threshold for recognizing our video clips. So we enabled a feature through our MCN, or multi-channel network, that will look for our footage in other people's videos and claim against it. Because we've had big problems in the past with people just re-uploading our videos to these rando no-name channels, and it's actually a lot of my time personally to take those down. Um, like I have to go fill out a whole form and when I have to do like six or eight of them a day, like it's it's very time consuming and I'm sure you guys would rather me just spend my time making videos rather than taking down other people's re-uploads of them. So we enabled this feature, but what happened was the threshold was set very low. I think it was set to about 15 seconds of match. And so it grabbed benchmark footage, like screen cap of a benchmark that they also used and claimed it. Now, all it was a matter of doing was saying, hey guys, what's up? And we said, oh, sorry about that reverse the claim. All you have to do is dispute the claim and it'll send a notification back to whoever claimed it. Um, we got that all sorted out and um, we changed our threshold to a minute. Now, what happened this week was another YouTuber, in this case it was Adored TV, uploaded a video yeah. and the, the kind of ironic thing about it was that, I think probably from his perspective, was that his video used a chunk of our video as sort of like validation that his take was correct. It was a it was a clip of me agreeing with him. And then I think what happened was he got this notification. Oh, by the way, um, Linus Media Group Inc, actually Full Screen Inc, has claimed this content because it contains, uh, you know, however long, I think it was 57 seconds or whatever it was, of copyrighted content from this video from Linus Media Group Inc. I forget exactly what the wording of the notice that he got was, but apparently not being familiar with this wording, he thought, or like with this process, he thought that we had manually claimed the video and were taking his, uh, taking his revenue. And what happened, anyway, the point is, I found out about it. We got it dealt with in about 10 minutes. It's all sorted out. We had some Twitter feuding and we're good now. It's all water under the bridge. But what was really interesting about this whole ordeal was that it raised some really interesting conversations about what exactly is fair use and how does it work. A lot of people seemed to think that it was as simple as when people thought that this was me manually claiming his money. Yeah. Which was like, yeah. I don't know what the AdSense on it would be like $60 by the time I had looked at it. Like it didn't have a ton of views yet. Um, it's definitely worth the drama. I can, like, I can understand yeah, like, the business I, decision there. <laughs> I, I need that $60 that badly. I really do. Um, and to be clear, once it's reversed, it all goes back to the original creator. I don't keep any of it, even if it was like claimed by me for two hours or whatever. Um, so people seem to think that this was like me being evil and not understanding fair use and like, Linus, this is clearly fair use. The thing about fair use is that it's actually not cut and dried. What it is, is it's four pillars, not four... Four things uh, you can argue in court, basically. Yes. And you actually... when I'm glad that you mentioned... Uh, I'm glad you mentioned arguing court, because the way that it works is you actually have to argue these things. And there's no clear 
measurement for, you know, what people had all kinds of thoughts about how fair use worked. Well, it was a minute of content, but it was only 4% of the total video because it was a much longer video. Therefore, it's fair use. No, that's not how that works. Or people said, well, he wasn't saying anything mean about Linus, so it's fair use, which again, no, it's I'd not almost say how if you, that if works. If you were saying something mean, it would probably be easier to place it as a review and you'd probably get by with it almost more easily in, in the eyes of a jury or something. Well, it depends, because if it was defamatory, then you could make the argument True. that yep. um, its effect on the potential market was very negative because he's effectively attacking the opinion of someone who lives and dies or the reputation of someone who lives and dies by their reputation. So but but that, that, that that's what that's what it is. So that's why it, it actually doesn't matter how much of it it was, or, or all these arbitrary things that people seem to have latched onto as like, what def definitely makes something fair use? Fair use is an argument. It is not a set of rules. So the purpose and character of your use, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount and substantiality of the portion taken, and the effect on the potential market for the original work. And remember too, that fair use like these guidelines, as far as I know, are just based on United States copyright laws. They are not necessarily applicable in every jurisdiction around the world. So you could very easily be infringing on the copyright of some developer in Lithuania or something. To be clear, I know absolutely nothing about Lithuanian <laughs> copyright law, but fair use might not necessarily apply. And if somehow they managed to get you dragged into a, a Lithuanian legal proceeding, it might not go well for you. I don't know how they do that. Maybe you have a stopover in Lithuania on the way to wherever it is you're flying to once the world returns to normal. But the point is, <laughs> somehow they get you extradited. Uh, the point is, <laughs> fair use is not as simple as people seem to think that it is. The very fact that you are a game streamer and therefore streaming games is fair use, it, no, not to the law, but in the same way that you would have to make your argument to a court about why what you're doing is fair use, whoever is defending their copyright would have to make an argument to a court about that it is not fair use, which is why, as we saw with that whole H3H3 thing that went down a couple years ago now, I think it was, this kind of legal proceeding can get very long, very drawn out, and very, very expensive, which is why it's far better. So back to what the law is versus what you should do, it's far better to just not put this much work and money into doing nothing but p***ing off your customers and just let people game stream. So that's why Alex Hutchinson's take is bad. Not because he's wrong, but because it's a bad, dumb take. It's just stupid. And, and a lot of the, the verbiage that he used was him saying what, what people should do. Not, 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 not what is like entirely within their rights or, or what yeah. like they're capable of. He was like, no, this is how it should work, blah, blah, blah. And no, that's really dumb. Um, so that, that was a bad take. And, and that's why it was so bad. I, I think he could have gotten what I'm hoping was his point across uh, in a different way if he didn't use that type of wording. I also think it is truly hilarious that he isn't uh, attributing the artist for his 
for his uh, cover photo. That that is like that really makes this whole thing like so much worse. And the fact that Jacksepticeye posted that, I I'm sure he saw Jacksepticeye's post. I doubt it. Jacksepticeye guys, he's a pretty small figure in the gaming space. He's probably never heard of him. <laughs> the, the fact that he hasn't responded and like. I don't know, apologize. Or just change it. Quiet, fine. Or change it. Yeah, you don't want to own your mistake? Fine. Quietly change it then. Do something. Why is it still there? Do you remember remember how I said like it 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 had a lot of traction, but it didn't have like the interaction you would want? I was pointing out the like comments versus likes and stuff. Yeah, just so see how his, many times his... it got ratioed. Yeah. Basically, Jacksepticeye's post got 48,000 likes. His got 5.1. Yeah. Like, I forget oh who I God. saw who just posted. I'm, oh, yeah. I think it was Pokimane. was just like, I'm going to just put this here so that you can see how badly you're going to get ratioed or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that probably blew up. Oh, Lordy. Oh, so dumb. I only learned that term today, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Me too. Ratioed? Yeah. Yeah. I, I learned yeah. it from this. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's that's funny. I've seen that happen before. I'm glad we have a word for that. You know yeah, what else I'm glad sure. we have a word for? Our sponsors. sponsor spots. Oh, that's the wrong thing. You know what? I'm just I'm just gonna leave it there. I don't even care anymore. Honey, honey sponsored the show today, so I can tell you all about their browser extension that helps you find the best promo codes when you shop online. Those of you who downloaded Honey from our link saved over a hundred grand in the last few months, and they work on over thirty thousand stores, including Amazon, eBay, Newegg, Razor, Best Buy, Walmart, and more. Honey gets a small commission from the sites where they save you money. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks, and you can get it at joinhoney.com. Linus. For a limited time, you can even get $5 deposited directly into your Venmo account. That's that's pretty sweet if you use Venmo for whatever reason. Cool. Maybe Venmo is a thing that like makes more sense in other places. Or do you know what Venmo even is? What is Venmo? I think it's like a, a PayPal style thing that is often used for direct payments between people more often. Like PayPal is often used for for person to company. I think oh. Venmo is often used for person to person. I oh. don't think it's really a thing in Canada. Yeah, because we have email sure money transfer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's not called email money transfer. E-transfer. E-transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Man, when EMT like first came out, I was like, this is amazing. Because <laughs> it was the best thing ever. You didn't have to take cash to like uh, in-person Craigslist deals and stuff anymore. You could just send an email money transfer and I guess, okay, sorry, e-transfer. And then they could validate it right there. And then you could both leave and you didn't have to have any cash on you, which was really nice. Uh, the show is also brought to you by Wondershare PDF Element. This is a new one. PDF Element is an all-in-one smart PDF editor that offers the easiest way to create, edit, convert, annotate, and sign PDF documents on Windows and Mac. You can convert any PDF to and from Microsoft Word, Excel. Why would you want to convert a PDF to or from Excel? I guess it doesn't matter why. It matters that you can. And PowerPoint without losing any formatting. You can easily collect analysis-ready data from your clients by fillable PDF forms from paper or existing electronic files and search for words or text through large PDF files. You can add certified digital signatures to help recipients validate document authenticity and integrity. And you can click the link in the description to get 50% off PDF element. Let's go ahead and... These, that, that's funny. Wondershare, I think, has been reaching out to us literally for years to work together. And they finally have a product that's like, yeah, okay, that seems that seems pretty good. Cool. Well, I think before they were trying to get us to like review something. And I was like, yeah, we don't review like these oh, kinds yeah. of software tools. So I, this this yeah. this makes this makes way more sense. We gotta uh, bring we gotta bring LSD back. 
LSD. You don't remember that, do oh, you? You Linus named it Software, that. Luke's, Luke's Software. Ah, shoot. What was the D for? Discovery, hey. I think, or something. I love the D. Luke's Software <laughs> Discoveries. That's what it was. You can just call it Linus, whatever. It doesn't matter. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to find things that are good enough to talk about for that amount of time. Oh, yeah. When it's software. And you know? finally, the show is brought to you by Redux. Redux offers hardware with no markup pricing, only a $75 build fee. So you would pay to buy the parts yourself. So what you would pay to buy the parts yourself would be the same as you pay with Redux with expertly built PCs. Plus they give you a two year warranty for parts and labor. You can explore the website and get a PC optimized for the games you play in as easy as a few clicks and use the online PC builder to customize what's going on inside based on the games you want to play. That's basically the same thing I just said. Redux, hey, Redux. Redux believes in bringing PC gaming to the masses and that's why they only charge a small build fee and won't cut corners on quality. You can go to buildredux.com or click the link in the description to enter to win an RTX 3080. Wow, that's like a that's like a, a $3,000 value. <laughs> Depending on how you want to do the math. On that subject, why don't we talk about uh, who dumped this one in the dock? Anthony posted this in the dock. A large Danish retailer going by the name of ProShop has released statistics for the RTX 30 series sales and the orders that they've shipped. And uh, let me put it this way. It doesn't look promising. It broke ye. <laughs> it broke ye. Um, ProShop ordered 16 SKUs for each class of GPU from Asus, MSI, Gigabyte, and Inno3D. And here are the statistics as of October 22nd, which was yesterday. ProShop ordered 2,012 units. Of that, 309 have been delivered or are incoming, which is a fulfillment rate of 15%. 312 unfilled orders with 161 delivered to customers, making for a delivery rate of 34%. 65% if you count the confirmed incoming cards, but those have not technically shipped to customers yet, in spite of the fact yeah. that these cards have been available for weeks. <laughs> um, for the RTX 3080, wow, that's 3090? They've yep. only shipped 309 to ProShop? Okay, all right. Wow, that's a lot of GPU. How many people, like, that many people are buying $1,500 graphics cards? Okay, uh, uh, sorry. No wonder NVIDIA, like, has enough money to buy ARM. Um, <laughs> RTX 3080. ProShop says they ordered 9,010 and have received 871, including those which are incoming, a fulfillment rate of 9.7%. They have... <laughs> Luke's laughing. He's reading ahead of me here. They have 3,772 unfilled orders and have managed to deliver only 504 to customers, a delivery rate of 12% or 20% if we count the confirmed incoming cards. Now, they've even put RTX 3070 numbers in here, which is interesting because... <laughs> RTX 3070 has not launched and the embargo hasn't lifted yet, but they apparently pre-ordered 4,330. I mean, they might as well have just pre-ordered 40,000 for all it matters. Like they're only going to get yeah. however many they get. They only got 206 counting those that are incoming. Um, 4.8% fulfillment rate, baby. Doing well. <laughs> ooh. So these early figures indicate that NVIDIA's stock situation may not have improved since uh, the delay of the RTX 3070. And it's funny because that was like, wasn't that why they said they were delaying the RTX 3070? So that they could build yeah. up more stock? 
Yeah. And like again, the funny thing is like RTX 3070 is a completely different GPU. Like it's not even a GA102. It's a GA I don't know if this is public information. <laughs> Tech Power Up says it is a GA104. Uh, <laughs> I think. No, Tech Power Up does not say that. Uh let's find someone who says it is. Videocards.com says the 3070 mobile. Ah, oh, dang it. Okay. Videocards.net. I just need someone I can cite here. Yeah, videocards.net says that the 3070 is a GA104 GPU. There you go. Um, so it's a completely different GPU. Now, it mm, is built on the same 8 nanometer Samsung process, according to videocards.net. Here, see, look. <laughs> there, there, it's on there. See, look, look, it's on there. It's a 4 na 8 nanometer process, okay? Right there. It's Plain as plain as the nose on my face, and that's that's a substantial sized nose, Luke. Let me tell you. Um, yeah. And so it's you could argue that you could argue it two ways. You could say, okay, well, I can see why they can't deliver any 3080s because they're busy shipping all the GO102s as 3090s, which cost twice as much or whatever. Um, and then you could say, you know, with 3070, well, there's no excuse because all the good GA104 should just go straight into 3070s. But the thing is, because it's built on the same process node from Samsung, however much 8 nanometer waferage they've managed to get booked is pretty much the bottleneck for how many of these cards total they can actually build. So what I think... This is just a guess. This is a total hot take, and it may be just as bad as the one from Alex Hutchinson earlier, but probably not. Um, what <laughs> I think is that NVIDIA delayed the launch of the 3070 so that they could build up inventory of the 3080 and the 3090. I don't think that they've been beavering away building up inventory of 3070, because if I was NVIDIA and I had any fabs, like fab allocation, I'd say... You print them 3090s, baby. You print them 3090s real good. And then if you print a bad one, yeah, we're going to ship that as a 3080. We ship as many of these as we possibly can. Because uh, RTX 3070 is supposed to be, let me just make sure, uh, MSRP, blah, blah, blah. According to <clears throat> Tom's Guide, it's going to be $500, making it a, a far, far smaller transaction from NVIDIA's standpoint. Now... Because you want to maintain a good relationship with your customers, you definitely do want to ship some of these. I can just see why they wanted to give themselves a little bit of time. It is pretty clear to me at this point that NVIDIA went super aggressive on their RTX 3000 pricing, knowing full well that they were not going to be able to ship enough of them just as a gigantic f*** you to Sony, Microsoft, and AMD. Because there is no reason why they couldn't have charged 20% more for these, 30% more for them. You can see it. People are paying that price on eBay. People are desperate for something to finally run their games faster. It's been so long, if you're a high-end consumer, um, that they could have pretty much charged whatever they wanted for them. But it's very clear that they came in at these prices knowing they weren't going to have enough out of the gate because they wanted to put pressure on their competition. And the problem is that if I'm NVIDIA, I can't launch them at a high price today and then drop my price six weeks later or eight weeks later when the new consoles launch or when AMD launches a competitor because then I look reactionary. So NVIDIA pretty much had to shoot themselves in the foot to avoid shooting themselves in the face. If you think about yeah. it from like a, yeah. a thousand okay. foot strategic view. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Jensen. I mean, not really, because I think he has a new leather jacket for every day of the week. 
Yeah, and I was gonna he, say I think that's I a think, pretty difficult person to feel bad for. I think for, his kitchen financially. kitchen costs as much as my house, but yeah, it's a nice kitchen. You seen that kitchen? Luke? Just the oven, dude. You just seen that the kitchen? Oven. Just the just the what looks like the marble backdrop to the oven carved by by ancient by Greeks. nymphs. nymphs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think just that might cost as much as like I don't know. Definitely my apartment. Um, all right. Now, something to bear in mind about all of these figures is that NVIDIA's, uh, is that Europe has largely gotten the short end of the stick with respect to RTX 3000 series allocation, apparently, allegedly. And it's important to keep in mind that Denmark itself is relatively tiny with a population of just 5.8 million as of 2019. But the so, orders were placed. I, I don't know if that's very relevant. Oh, it's, yeah, it's relevant. It's relevant. Why, yeah, why would the sure. population of the area be relevant versus the orders placed? Um, because I, what I can tell you is that coming from a retailer in a relatively small region, because re compared to China or the U.S., Canada is a relatively sure. small yeah, region. Absolutely, yeah. The kinds of orders that we would place would be very different from what someone like a new egg would place. So in the same way, we might order. You know, okay. So let's look at Pro Shop. So Canada was a, um, hold on a second. I'm getting Teams messages here. Bug me Monday. Please don't message right now. It pings the whole WAN show. Smiley face. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Canada, right. So we might order 5,000 units of RTX 3090. We might try to back order 5,000 units. By comparison, someone like a Newegg might have 80,000 units on back order. Totally different scale. So, but Nvidia, do you think that would affect so you think that would affect the fulfillment rate of those orders though? I think that I think that it can have a weight because if because here's what you got to understand. In the event that all of a sudden Nvidia suddenly magically figures out their production and they actually ship you 2000 GPUs you have to be able to sell them, right? So there's a number of factors at play here. One is how many you want to order to indicate your, you know, what you think you can sell, right? How many NVIDIA actually thinks you can sell? And remember right. that they, they have a ton, a ton of historical data to go on because these are retailers that they'll have been working with for years sure. and board yeah. partners that they've been working with for years. And even going back to when, when I was in the business, um, this is not the kind of thing that NVIDIA will just leave to their board partners, like an Asus, MSI, Gigabyte, and Inno3D. Like NVIDIA, particularly right at launch, is going in and hand allocating based on who they think can actually move the inventory, who they think is strategically more important from like a like a marketing and visibility standpoint. I was I was actually gonna I was gonna try to bring that up because I, I bet you, despite this literally happening, and this is evidence that is going to be against what I'm gonna say. I would suspect the American slash North American crowd would probably be a little bit more screechy about these types of problems than a yep. lot of other uh, demographics. And so you might want to allocate to them a little bit more because of that. And even within a region, you might find particular customers that are going to be louder and more upset and or... Uh, make more sense to support like your system integrators. NVIDIA has a long and storied sure. history of making sure that system integrators who rather than making selling, you know, you know, one card are selling an entire gaming experience to 
who is effectively an NVIDIA customer at the end, at the end of the day, um, you could make the argument that those are, those are more important. Those are more timely because whoever's ordering an individual card presumably already has a graphics card of some sort, whereas someone ordering a full system may not actually have a functioning system. So there's all kinds of factors that come into play when they're deciding how to do these things. I remember one of them being, um, I can't remember what card this was, uh, and yeah, whatever, I'm, I'm, whatever NDA I signed it, NCIX, I can't imagine it still applies. But um, <laughs> I remember this one time when I think this was in the Fermi days. So this would be, um, oh, was it 480 or something like that? Maybe it was, maybe it was 285. I don't remember. It was a period of time where NVIDIA was not particularly competitive. Um, and what they essentially wanted us to do must've been, must've been 280 or 285. I am, I'm sorry. I, it, it escapes me when exactly it was. It was a time when NVIDIA wasn't particularly competitive in the mid range. And they basically were like, you can order, you're allowed to order a hundred of these like cards everyone wants, but you have to take like 600 of these ones that like nobody wants. And I was like um okay but like how am i gonna sell 600 like 9600 gs's or whatever I, I don't i don't remember what it was i really wish that i did because i was like how on earth am i gonna move these like you guys know back at ncix like we we would sell we would by unit count we would sell more of an 800 graphics card than an 80 graphics card because it just wasn't our business meanwhile the best buy right down the street would sell 20 to one of that $80 card versus the $800 card. It's just different yeah. customers, different expectations. We, I, I, I worked at that Best Buy down the street. We did not move the expensive cards. It did like ever. Exactly. <laughs> it collected dust. Exactly. So I, I remember that sometimes allocation of a product you want is dependent on how much you can move of a product that NVIDIA is trying to get rid of. Now, NVIDIA hasn't been in a position where they've had to really get rid of anything in like many years now. They've had a lot, they've ridden from one success to another, but I know that that used to affect things. So there's the relationship, there's the uh, the optics from like a, a, an outsider standpoint of like who should be getting cards. There's the history, there's the, you know, uh, how much are they? How much are they scratching your back? How much do you want to scratch their back? It's business. It's business, guys. It's not as simple as like, well, I placed an order, so I should get it. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that Makes consumers sense. can't and shouldn't have to care about. But at the end yeah. of the day, if you want to understand what's going on, you, you just you sort of have to. What, what, what do you want me to tell you? That, I mean, yeah, those those are going to be the things that you are suddenly concerned with now that these numbers were published. Yeah. Um, I wonder how uh, their oh. their orders are going to get filled after publishing this information. Uh, probably not too great. Do you want a pro tip, by the way, guys? If you want to get a card, one of the best ways to get one is instead of queuing up for a SKU that already exists, wait for a new launch of like uh, Asus is doing a Gundam edition card, for example. You will pay more, but it'll cost you less than scalping one of the other ones on eBay, and you will probably get you know a brand new card with a warranty from a retailer um, versus having to wait for it. So waiting around for like a Kingpin edition or FTW 76 super clock plus KO, whatever their stupid suffixes are now over at EVGA. So if you wait around for a new SKU launch, 
typically if I'm in Asus or an EVGA or Gigabyte or whatever, I'm squirreling away enough GPUs so that I can do a launch even though I know that it's going to sell it right away. And I had, I saw people just order like the wrong SKU and just sit in the queue like forever, especially if it's an entry level one. Cause if I'm an EVGA, you know, what's my higher priority? I want to fill every customer order and I will eventually fill your order. I promise. But am I going, which one am I going to tr prioritize more? You know, an FTW three ACS cooler, super, super, super clock that I make, you know, 60 or $70 on or a base model one at the basic Nvidia suggested MSRP where I make like 35 bucks a card. Well, probably the one that keeps my business running, right? <laughs> yeah. What do you want? That's just the reality of it. There's not a lot of margin in this for board partners. That's how everything is going to work at like every company ever. Yeah. And even the ones that by and large have you know, a, a strong ethical base to them and, and really care about their customers and love their customers, they still have to keep the doors open. So they have and to they, And they can do both, but there's going to be priority levels on things. You know? Of course, of course. All right, what else do we want to talk about today? We have only gotten through two topics. I blame Luke. <laughs> he talked for so what? long about that first one. I could barely get a word in. <laughs> that Luke, he's always talking so much. I I was ripping through that thing. Uh, we've got oh. some alleged RX yeah. 6800 XT benchmarks. These are from Video Cards. Now they're not actual games, which means that like, eh, who cares? But it means they're super lame. But it's still kind of cool. You know. Go ahead. Keep talking, Luke. No. No. I I want you to. I want you to. Just... I, 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 I don't like that they're actual games. I, I don't like that it's like Time Spy, Fire Strike, and, and uh, what's the other one? Port boat Royal. Or something. Port Royal. Yeah, Did Boat you say came boat? into mind because, yeah, I, I remembered Port. <laughs> 3D Mark Boat. I think you're thinking of Aquamark and it's a submarine. There's your, there's your new idea, uh, 3D Mark. Just make one called Boat. Boat. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, there you go. Perfect. Do it. Um, I'd benchmark my computer on that, guaranteed. Uh, yeah, it, it does. I mean, it does well. It it crushes in Fire Strike Ultra. It 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 succeeds quite strongly in Time Spy, and then you know it doesn't do that great in Port Royal. But if I remember correctly, Port Royal is like entirely ray tracing based. So hope, I think hopefully it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still may, maybe the whole all red computer thing is is more legit than than I had potentially thought. And I think honestly, as long as AMD doesn't like trip, fall and smash their face with this launch, I think it'll be great They're because people up, will- They'll look like good guys. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll look like good guys. They'll be able yeah. to sell cards because no one else can buy the other cards. Yeah. So like, hooray, they, they just need to not, yeah, they need to not completely fumble the launch. And then I believe I, I in AMD, be good. Yeah. but I believe in them both ways. I believe that they can not fumble a launch <laughs> yeah. and I believe that they can hard fumble a launch. I love those guys, but they've made, they've done some doofus stuff over the years. Um, this yep. is an interesting one. Tyler Witt says, and do you follow the logic here? Tyler Witt in the YouTube chat says, this is not pre-recorded. Look at how oily their hair is. My hair's not oily. Oh, mine is, but I still don't follow the logic. Because my hair is oily, this couldn't possibly be pre-recorded. 
I guess he's saying like if we were gonna pre-record it, we would put enough prep in to like wash our hair, which yeah. is a misguided statement. Yeah, for that's sure. he clearly doesn't know <laughs> us at all. Like, yeah, that's not a thing that I would do. Um, all right, Intel has sold their NAND storage unit to SK Hynix. Uh, in March oh, 2020, Intel's CFO George Davis said the company was unable to sell enough SSDs to make a profit from the 3D NAND chips it made at its Dalian China factory. Said they were exploring options such as closing the factory and buying chips from others, selling chips to third parties, and buying SSDs from a third party. They've reached a deal to sell their flash memory business to SK Hynix for about $9 billion. Billion dollars. So they'll be getting the majority of Intel's memory business plus the memory manufacturing options in Dalian. They will not be getting the Optane division. So Optane clearly has more margin in it and Intel held on to it. So market share was about 11%. This will give Hynix roughly 20% market share overall compared to Samsung at 31, Kyoxia at 17. SK Hynix does have a 15% stake in Kyoxia though, WD at 16 and Micron at 13.7. I'm actually pretty surprised at how big WD's stake is. Yeah, I'm not, because remember, they bought uh, SanDisk way back. Oh, yeah. okay. I had so that, that's all it. SanDisk. It's nothing to do with, like, yeah, conventional WD, like, spinning rust business. Oh, yeah. oh, speaking of conventional business, LTTstore.com. So we actually hey. got two of our winners from the Stealth Pins shirt giveaway. You're not by any chance wearing a Stealth Pins shirt, are you? No. Bummer. Okay. Oh, you're wearing GPU. All right. Oh, you know what shirt I'm wearing? Float plane. Float nice, plane. nice. <laughs> I put it on this morning. I was like, you know what? We should do a big shout out for float plane over on the uh, WAN show today. So that's what I meant we to do. We should, and we have a specific um, shout out for float plane today. We do, but we first, get to later. first, I need to tell people to make sure they're subscribed because I've got a big announcement, ladies and gentlemen's secret shopper is back. Was that too loud? Did I clip? It clipped. It, uh, I tried. I, I tried to move away from the mic. <laughs> it, it, it got rid of the audio oh okay know. well secret shopper is back baby secret shopper is go. coming for you uh and it's too late for any of the system integrators to do anything about it we have already gone through our entire purchase process we have already gone through our tech support challenge um the system integrators that are included this year are iBuyPower, CyberPower, Dell HP, Main Gear and Origin PC. So we are going to see what if anything these system builders have learned in the last 2 years. Let me tell you right away spoiler alert, some of them learned a lot, some of them learned a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> some of them got worse, which is <coughs> shocking considering which ones got worse. So you are going to see those videos early over on floatplane.com, not to mention hey. that we've got, uh, yeah, that's right. We're gonna have them windowed. Um, so they're gonna be coming nice. probably sometime in the next uh, couple of few weeks here or so. Jake's been hard at work on this season. Uh, I'm going to be agent 006.9. We are going for a bond theme this year. Um, David and, uh, Jake have been hard at work making it fun. So we, I posted a very small tweez, tease, tweezer, teaser a while back on social media of like a, a poker table. So like, that's one okay. of the sets for it. We're doing like, uh, like a casino kind yeah, of casino Royale style. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's I take it you be... guys are done filming. We are done filming. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're yeah. not done filming. 
We're not done filming the like uh, We've done the whole ordering thing. process. The whole ordering and tech support yeah. process. So cool. yeah. it's too late for any of these system integrators to have any say good in what happens or to you know beef up their phone lines or anything because they know secret shoppers happen it's been so long i guarantee you some of them like totally got complacent um anyway so yeah guys get subscribed on Flowplane early access uh when we get to it and also uh some like exclusive behind the scenes stuff um, you know what the funny part is about the secret shopper part yeah i i haven't talked about you guys doing that in a long time but in the last two weeks i have had Two people talk to me and be like, I know, I know, I know, I know, but I'm not going to build it myself. Also, I want a 3000 series and this is a pretty decent way to get one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm doing a pre-build. Do you have any suggestions? And I've linked them the Secret Shopper series. I've been like, it's a little out of date, but you should still like check this out. And now you're updating it. That's fantastic. Yep. We've been meaning to do it for, we meant to make it an annual thing. So it clearly took us <clears throat> a hot minute to, uh, to get to that. <laughs> But uh, Derby Smith asks, can we get a Floatplane shirt? Um, when we get the Creator Warehouse and Floatplane integration working, we will totally be able to do like little exclusive merch drops and yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, we'll be able to do that. Uh, but right now we're just not set up for it. So yeah, sorry about that. We will though. Um, right. So the other thing I wanted to say, Stealth Pins. So our CPU Stealth Pins shirt on lttstore.com where let me just pull i'll just pull it up here uh this one right here there are a handful of these out there so see how there's kind of like an ltt logo in the pins there are three of these out there that do not say ltt if you got one of them you want a gaming system all you got to do is reach out to the ltt store support prove to them that you got one that doesn't say ltt and they're going to know what it says so you're not going to be able to fake it with photoshop um, and you will get a Corsair Vengeance gaming PC equipped with a Core i7-10850K, RTX 3080, 32 gigs of memory, a 1TB M.2 with 2TB of spinning rust. So two of them have been claimed, but one of them is still out there. So if you bought a Stealth Pin CPU shirt, guys, well, let's go, boys. Go check your shirt. Don't wait. Just run. Go look at it now. See if it says LTT or not. It's not um, mine because I, I technically never got one. Um, yeah, no, and we wouldn't have given it to you. Like, what do you... No. <laughs> also, also, I kind of alluded to this before, but I can't guarantee, you know, if we'll ever do anything like this again or whatever, but we did another giveaway, stealthily, stealthily. So the foil t-shirt, which I think sold out to WAN show viewers, um, not misprints, by the way, sorry, misprints, you guys, you paid half price for your shirt, but you, there were no prize ones mixed in. So we have randomly selected winners from our foil keyboard shirt buyers. So if you notice something weird about your order when it arrives, reach out to support and there may be an awesome surprise in store for you. Very cool. Some of them, some of the foils might be different colors to indicate something oh. or other. Oh, let's see what they are. Um... All right. Is there anything else we really want to talk about? Uh, PayPal to support cryptocurrencies? Wow. Okay. I want to talk about uh, 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 a new a new floatplane entry. Sure. Oh, yeah. We actually have two new floatplane entries. Craft TV. Craft. Sorry. Oh my god. Craft TV. I just merged both the names together. <laughs> what a bad guy. Lawn TV and Craft Computing. 
two different creators, not one creator that I zombified together, have both joined uh, a Floatplane very recently. Check out Craft Computing. I know you guys did a collab together recently, actually. We did. That's actually very serendipitous timing because I had, I don't think I even knew you were working on that. I'm working on things, man. They're coming together. I didn't say you're uh, not working on things. I just said I didn't know you were working on that. Yeah, yeah. And he he's actually one of the, the first. Oh, he has 17 subs already. He has his numbers public. That's pretty cool. Cool. Um, he, he is one of the first creators to use the multi-content post feature. So he has one video that is actually six videos. Cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, check it out. All right, uh, let me just see if there's anything else. EA is getting sued for loot boxes in Canada. Class action lawsuit saying nice. EA has been profiting off of an illegal gambling business by selling random loot boxes for cash. Get wrecked. Yeah, that sounds about right. Similar to a suit in California that says FIFA's ultimate team mode is effectively gambling. Yep, sounds about right. It's about time. The thing is, like, why did why did game developers and publishers, why did they have to push the limit? Like if they had just yeah. if they had just chilled a little bit, you know, if they had just kept it small instead of being the thing that funds game development, they could have gotten away with it. If it wasn't and there for was, those darn kids gambling, there was, there the was kids who were gambling that are, that are <laughs> like I think I think genuinely very accepted by the majority of the community. Like I, I don't know these days. I know there's been some changes to the store and how it works and stuff, but I don't, I don't know how it works because I don't play anymore. But um, League of Legends at its inception had some like negative feedback at first because they were honestly pretty early on the the like microtransactions game. Um, but everyone was usually okay with it. It was a free game and you could buy some skins for heroes that you cared about and whatever else. Like that was that was pretty accepted. But in games like especially MMOs where you have to like pay for the box and for expansions and monthly and they have a cash shop. For, for games where you have to pay like full fat, like 60, 70 bucks for the game. And there's content that was like clearly held from being like a cool quest reward or something in the game and has now been put into a cash shop. Like that kind of stuff is just ridiculous. And like you you know that it's negatively affecting the game to a certain degree because because a lot of this stuff is like some of the best art assets that they have. And it could have like definitely been some like cool reward for accomplishing something, whatever it yep. is. But, but instead it's like, nope, 20 bucks or more. AJ and Floatplane and chat says, hey, you should really show the Floatplane page for craft computing. So I'm going to do that. There nice. you go. Floatplane page. That's what it looks like. Got the subscribers up in there. Got the tiers over in there. Uh, they, there you go. That's what that's supposed to look like. Hey, there you go, AJ. Sorry about that. All right. Um, yeah, getting this. Uh, Man Designs McBroken, a site that displays all the broken ice cream machines in all McDonald's. A site that shows you where McDonald's ice cream machines are broken so you don't accidentally go to one that has a broken thing. <laughs> Interesting. So... The developer Rashik Zahid came up with McBroken after realizing that the online order site can be used to determine if their ice cream machine is working or not. If you can't order a cone, it's broken. He then exploited that flaw and wrote a bot that tries to order an ice cream cone at every McDonald's in the USA and reports back onto a map. That is hilarious. 
Uh, this comes after much trial and error. Initially, he created an API that attempted to add a McSunday from every McDonald's location to its cart once every minute, and the app figured out what he was up to and blocked him. He then determined he can make an, or an API call, sorry. He then determined that he can make an API call every 30 minutes undetected. So he now has a bot that can tell the real-time ice cream status twice an hour. Um, that's hilarious. It's amazing so... that 7.16% of all of them are down. And like certain areas, like, I wonder if this correlates with how many, uh, like how, how much ice cream is being sold. And I wonder if you can compare that to like how hot it is in that area. So how much people are looking for like cold refreshments. But yeah, Phoenix, Arizona, 15.56% of ice cream machines are down. That's so frustrating. Cause like I've gone to McDonald's for the express purpose of getting an ice cream. Cause like, I don't know what the heck else you would eat there. And the ice cream <laughs> machine's been broken and like, yeah, I'm choked. Like I'm choked. It, it, it is a bit of a meme. Like it, it, it does happen a lot. So yeah. Hilarious. All Scrolling right. in on the map of Phoenix and seeing how many red dots there are is kind of crazy, actually. Let's go ahead and get through a few super chats, and then we're going to call it. Uh, Robert hey. Mail says, the RIAA is coming for your GitHub repos. Downloading videos is now circumvention of technological protection measures. Oh, okay. Uh, Philip says, hey. Hey, Philip. What's up, Mona Lisa? Uh, Brandon, no, I cannot adopt you. Sorry. Andre says, the first time I catch WAN show live at almost 3 a.m. here in Italy. Well, you've probably gone to bed now by the time I read your super chat. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, Daniel Woods says, message re retracted. Way to go, Daniel. Nice. Yeah, I still that read your thing anyway. Janko <laughs> uh, Flex says, up in the middle of the night here in Sweden with my four-day-old son. He seems to like the show as well as his older sister. Keep it up. You are my daughter's favorite YouTube star. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Nice. Uh, Nader, I love that Twitch streamers are trying to say they're promoting the songs and saying DMCA is a group of people, not a law. Welcome to real copyright policy, which is what YouTube has had for years. Yeah. Yeah. Streamers who think that they're going to be able to get away with songs. Yeah. You, you got away with the whole game thing. Feel lucky. I, I agree with that aspect of... Uh, of uh, what's what's his name's uh, there is there is so Alex I, Hutchinson's I don't, take. I I I I I'm I'm not feeling it this much for songs, but there is some argument there, and there have some there have been some artists that have that have come out and either directly worked with their publisher to make sure that it's okay to play their songs on Twitch, or um, expressed that they don't agree with how their publisher is treating it because. Um, especially streamers that accredit properly and like we'll show like a shop uh spotify thing in the bottom corner it'll show what's currently playing etc yep. i could see that as being good promotion and or if I was to buy artist, link whatever because it's all about yeah. what's the impact on the original work right yes but so if, you're, if you're making it so that because like if, if i if i go to a stream and there's a song playing and i dig it and i can't relatively easily figure out what that song is that's silly um, unless they have the rights to do that. Um, but I think if, if they're like actively promoting the music as a, if I was a musician, I would probably want that to happen because I don't gain anything from it not being played. And I don't think there's any opportunity cost there. I don't think someone's going to go, Oh, I'm going to watch this streamer because I can listen to this specific song instead of watching it on YouTube, where it's almost certainly going to be, and also be free 
or somewhere else. Like I, yeah. I honestly, I, in general, I don't agree with the music argument. And I think in it, almost every case, as long as it's properly attributed, the music artist is gaining quite a bit by being on Twitch, but the same as the game argument, it's still in their court. And yes. they should be able to make that decision. I think they are improperly making that decision, but they should be able to make that decision. And it comes down to precedent, right? Like the music industry hasn't set this precedent that you're just like allowed to use music in yes. your in your in your other art. They do yeah. not consider mu like, you know, you can't make a movie and be like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put playing with the boys in our movie and it's transformative enough because our, our movie is, you know, the art, and this is just supplemental. Like, music has been considered mm, integral as, as part of the greater viewing experience of whatever other type of medium it's integrated with uh, yeah. in such a way that's really poorly worded. The point is, music has never been seen what? as having been transformed by visuals set to it. It has oh. never worked that way. So there's no precedent for them to have to give in in this way. And the other part is that while game developers are directly off their customers by not allowing Twitch streamers to play the games on stream, music labels don't seem to see it that way, even though if they're making the argument that people listening to it on the stream is digging into their sales, then they do understand they're their customers. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they think that I, I, yeah, don't I, listen I to music. Think, I think a lot of music labels are treating this improperly for, uh, in regards to their own benefit. And I think they would be much better off if they actually let the streamers play the songs. Um, but but that's yeah, that's their thing. You know, they can they can make the wrong decision there as much as they want. Uh, Cyrus Zier says hashtag Undertale. Also, since Nvidia screwed Canada for the Founders Edition. How do you feel doing something like selling GPUs on LTTstore.com? You know, we've talked about it. We've talked about just like turning LTTstore.com into a computer parts shop. Um, so far, we're not going to do that anytime yeah. soon. Uh, Samad says, if you're worried your game will stop selling because streamers playing it, maybe the gameplay part is not fun. It's just a bunch of cutscenes tied together with bandages. By that logic, movies are just a bunch of cutscenes and you yeah, shouldn't you pay for them. Like, that's, 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 not, a, a that's a terrible take. I can't believe game, you spent 200 whatever those are to tell me that. <laughs> a game, despite being called a game, doesn't actually have to sell entirely off of its gameplay. There yep. are a lot of games that are cinematically beautiful, narratively beautiful, yep. uh, voiced very well, really yep. good music. Great music. Fact, Speaking it of music. can be quite an experience, and the whole point could be the experience, and it's still a great game. Yep. Um, yeah. By that logic, you know, I shouldn't make any... I should I shouldn't let people just replay my videos on Twitch because the gameplay isn't fun. And so no one will buy my video. Like, what are you talking about? Um, Nicholas says, I've been pondering putting a TV in my bathroom like you. My question is that my tub is in a full wet room with an enclosed shower and I'm worried about moisture. Do you know of any waterproof TV? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm just YOLOing it. Uh, Andy the Lab says, can I have your Asus BFGD? I have two out of three, and I want to test sim racing testing for triple monitor off two thirty nineties. I don't even I don't even know if we have it. We might have like given it away at the Christmas party or something. To be honest with you, I kind of doubt we have it. Uh, hopefully, no one from ASUS is watching. Yeah, uh, speaking of which, uh, LMG yeah. is hiring. Oh yeah, right, we're hiring. Um, 
Oh, what are we hiring again? So linusmediagroup.com slash jobs dash one. I don't know what's up with that URL. We're hiring a full-time writer. Duties include generating video concepts, coordinating with product managers and their agencies, testing and benchmarking PC hardware. If you think you're an Anthony, then uh, get in touch because we, we just don't have quite enough Anthonys. So uh, basically we got that. And then full-time writer slash host. So if you think you're, well, an Anthony, whatever, go look at the, go look at the job postings. If your name is Anthony. <laughs> yeah, if your name is Anthony and you don't have quite enough full-time jobs, then uh, Anthony, go ahead and apply and we can have you work one shift from nine to 5.30 or whatever that math works out to. And then you can take an hour off and you can work another shift from six until uh, about five in the morning. Uh, maybe do a longer lunch so that you kind of get a little bit of refresher time there. You can sleep for a few hours and you can come back to the office. Sound good? Good. Nice. Solid. Sold. Yeah. We're also looking for a video editor and camera op, uh, product coordinator, um, customer service rep for Creator Warehouse, full-time developer for Creator Warehouse, graphic designer for Creator Warehouse, also full-time, full-time fashion designer for Creator Warehouse, full-time pattern maker for Creator Warehouse, and full-time retail product and inventory manager for Creator Warehouse. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're hiring ten people? What the f***? <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Uh, how about that? All right, thanks, Matt Shatuck. And uh, wow, yeah, that's crazy. We're going to have so many people running for this damn company. See you later. Bye. <laughs> can't believe we're going to have like. 40 people. Like 50 to count locally. If I'm gonna count Creator Warehouse, I might as well count locally, right? Alright. And uh, cutting off the YouTube.